Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Jose Luis Salas Calicano. He is a sales manager at Checkbook.io. And Checkbook.io is an online platform for not just processing payments and pushing money to where you need to be, but doing it in every method from digital to the old school methodology of snail mail. And with that, here's my interview with Jose. Jose, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Call me Pepe, man. With Pepe is good, man. Even when you call me Jose Luis, I feel that my mom is about to flip on me. So Fair Pepe enough. is good, man. Yeah. Pepe. All right, Pepe. So tell us about Checkbook. Okay. So Checkbook.io is, a, I like to call Checkbook a six-in-one payment disbursement platform. Okay. We have the six different railways in which we can disburse money. And the beauty of the platform is that the recipient can choose how they want to receive money, right? We're also one-sided platform. For example, if you wanted to send money, you and me in some other environments, we both need to be in the same environment. Uh, the beauty of Checkbook is that this is not necessary. Only one person, the one who's sending the money, can send the money. We have two different ways in which we operate, which we call pre-fund and not pre-fund. Some of our customers already know how much money and how many transactions they're going to do every week, every two weeks, every month, you call it, and they just give the money to us. Others, they don't like doing that, so we just pull the money from their account, move from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. That's basically what we do. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the history. How did Checkbook come to be? Okay, so my CEO, PJ Gupta, he was the CEO and founder of all of this, right? He has this whole idea. He was a VP at Visa, so he's a very knowledgeable guy. And I really don't know anybody that knows more than payments than him. So his main idea was like, hey, how we can make the experience of receiving money like very practical and actually very easy. Because with these whole environments, I don't know, for example, when PayPal just boomed and striped like he, they're owning the world, like, okay, let's do something different, right? So instead of focusing on the people who were sending money, let's give a nice experience to the recipient. So that's what we're doing. And it's been working so far. Well, that's true. I mean, it's a very simple thing that I hadn't even crossed my mind prior was at the end of the day, when someone chooses to send me money, they're the ones calling the shot on the form of a reception and the application being used, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I have to accept, uh, you know, depending on where you are, ACH or interact with the e-transfer. Sometimes those payments are confined to an app like PayPal and you have to pull them out separately. But there's really, it's kind of a dictatorial approach to how money gets paid. So talk to me about the six channels of payment that you guys have in place. Okay. So we have a traditional ACH. I think that now every payment browser needs to have ACH. If not, you're just not in the game. So ACH is the bread and butter, to call it like that. We have the RTP, the real-time payments. We also leverage in that network. We can generate virtual credit cards, which are not credit cards per se. It's just like a debit card that you can just transact and, and you see, I don't know, in a wearable, whatever you want to use it. We print paper checks and we can mail it literally to anywhere in the world as you have a US account, regardless of where the U, these US accounts is based. We can sell it to anywhere that you want. Also, we have the push to debit, which is we just leverage with a, with a number of the debit card. And one is missing, which be the print and deposit. You can print your check at home, scan it with your mobile application, and have the money in your bank account. Those are the six ways in which we disburse money. So people actually choose to print the check and then basically mobile deposit scan it. That's, that's quite amusing. I mean, I can see how that does for you from certain payment real constraints. So let's talk. I mean, I'm not going to spend much time on the ACH payment one. Like That's the, like the well-weathered everybody in technology you know, has got that. Uh, real-time yeah. payments, I mean, that... That to me makes sense. So, I mean, I'm guessing real-time payments are dependent upon both people having an account, right? And with, with a balance. Exactly. Okay. So I'm a user of Checkbook. I'm utilizing, I'm, you know, the vendor I'm working with or the person I'm working with is also a Checkbook user. 
I got cash on deposit. There's really zero reason for that time to, that to take any time whatsoever once I've sent the request. So that makes perfect sense. Let's talk about the the printed checks. Okay. So essentially you're just essentially, I guess, rendering what a check from checkbook would look like, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what we do, yeah, of course, we can generate checks and we are authorized to to just do physical representations of checks. But something that is very cool about how we do stuff is how extremely secure they are. For example, with the printed checks that we're doing now, we're just implementing the magnetic ink, which it might sound like that isn't that important, but, but you have no idea how important this is, you know, because there are people out there that are actually trying to replicate checks. Like it never crossed my mind until I entered the payment industry. All you didn't the, watch Cash Me If You Can? Come on, man. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I saw the movie, but I, I never thought that in 2023, we're going to have still this problem, you know? But yeah, people are doing it, man. Yeah. It's any angle to try to basically make some money. So bottom line is this, you get these laser printed checks. So effectively, you're providing those to your clients, essentially, and they're printing on them? Yeah, 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 yeah. We can do both versions. Some of them actually like to send the, the checks to their clients directly. So that's mm -hmm. when we print the paper check and we send it to whatever they tell us. Or they just send this email that I show you in which we, we do the receiving experience. And they either choose, okay, I want the paper check to be on my mail maybe in, in a couple of days, or I'm just going to print it right now and scan it. Fair enough. So you yeah. have, yeah, so that goes to the other option, which is the mailed checks, in which yeah. case basically shipping them out uh, versus that uh, UPS. So, I mean, now that's a bigger logistical lift, right? Because at the end of the day, you have to be, your facilities facilities as they scale, you have to be able to handle more and more check yeah. mailing. So let's say that takes you out of the digital realm, my friend, that takes you into the into the physical realm. So that's, that's got a, I got to say that I don't think I've seen that option just yet. And that's one of the reasons that intrigued me. It was like, okay, talk to me about the logistics of that. And, and in particular, thinking about like, I can imagine going for a funding round and being like, oh yeah, and we're going to have printers and people stuffing envelopes and do all this at mass yeah. scale. And the VCs are like, why? <laughs> it's yeah. like, talk yeah, to me about that, that challenge in terms of like getting people to understand that. Like, look, the rest it, of the world isn't moving to this. Man, it's so funny you say that because the first slogan that we had was say bye to paper checks. That was our first slogan, like when Checkbook came to be. And very soon we realized like, hey, Paper checks are not going absolutely anywhere. Like, it's, yeah, it's incredible how much people love it. And I gave you the example. I mean, for example, my landlord, he just wants paper checks. He doesn't care about sale. He doesn't care about Venmo. Like, you know what the people use mostly here in the Bay? No, he wants the paper check. So instead of fighting with this enemy, we said, you know what? Let's just start working with our enemy because there's business there as well. So... We developed these two things, the print check. And we actually, as you said, we bought the printer. We run some numbers. We got My CEO got the data and we started pitching to VCCs. So sorry, to VCs, not to VCCs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It just yeah. makes sense. I yeah. can only imagine, you know, not, not a negative echo chamber. I can imagine in the echo chamber of, of the Valley, people being like, paper checks, really? Okay, really? We're trying, yeah. to do, trying to get rid of these things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I've had many a vendor in the past who insisted on payment that way. Although, mind you, I basically told them all that either they accept digital payment or I'm just going to find another vendor. And, and lo and behold, yeah. they all accept the digital payment. It's shocking. But yeah. They like it. Yeah. Okay. So instant pay is another one. So talk to me. So you're talking about instantly moving money from your existing Visa or MasterCard. So we're talking about that, that option. Yeah. So instant pay is one, maybe the star of our products. Why? Because how fast it is. So when you receive the mail, let's say uh, Jason sent Jose, let's say a thousand bucks. And I want to have the money actually right now. 
I'm going to choose the instant pay, which uh, long story short is a push to debit. Because, you know, sometimes people actually don't want to reveal their account number or routing number. And it makes sense. People want to protect their data. Okay, just give me your debit card. And I'm going to make a push to debit, which that debit card linked to a routing number and account number. So the money is going to be there. You're going to be able to see that money in your banking portal in 15, 20 seconds max. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, the convenience of that product is, makes almost like the one that is the most used in, in our platform. Yeah. Excellent. So, all right. So fair enough. That makes it easy. Uh, and then the virtual cards. I mean, this is pretty bog standard for most of you guys in the, uh, in the challenger banking space, right? I got a, I got a checkbook virtual card, right? So I can just pay on my, pay on my Apple pay or whatever else it is to basically transact with that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've seen that this is getting a lot of traction, mostly in, in like, uh, in loyalty programs. People want to pay their customers, for example, for being loyal and being a recurring customer using these cards. And it's real cash. Some of them actually just give them the cash and some of them use something that we call webhooks, which this card can only be used, for example, in Jason's business. So the, the cash in this circular economy, which is always used in the same environment, some of them love that. But also some of them are good enough to say, you know what, just give them the cash. Let them buy them like a beer, whatever they want. So yeah, it depends on the business, you know? Excellent. So I mean, I guess I would say more than any other kind of quote unquote challenger bank or payment process, I think you guys have tried to replicate kind of the bridge, right? You're the bridge to the old world and the new world, right? You got all yeah. the applications in place. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. So, okay. So talk to me about like, besides trying to convince people the value to fund something that basically has physical checks, which I think would be a funny conversation. I wish I was a fly on the wall for that one. The talking about like the challenges to date, like in terms of basically, I think some of these are pretty straightforward because they overlap, right? I mean, the checks and printed checks overlap. Yeah. ECA is the standard. I, I think the instant pay ties into HCH and, and the real time into virtual, but like deploying these, talking about the challenges of like basically uh, of the logistics of all this. And it's also presenting clients with the options effectively. Yeah. I mean, the first challenge it is to present how we actually see payments, right? The whole presentation of how me sending just $1 to you and how we picture it. It's a whole new experience. So a lot of people actually don't understand it. I'm guilty of that as well. I remember when I just joined the company and I was looking, you know, like deep inside the platform, I really couldn't understand like, okay, this is cool, but does it make sense? You know, because I think it's a fair question. Even in the company you're working for, like, okay, does this work? So it's challenging when you, okay, understand the vision, but you cannot make it other understands. Now, when you actually sell that, okay, is your money, but giving your recipient the experience to choose how they want to receive their money and they understand like the added value, like, okay, so I'm going to give these people a whole new experience. Then that's where things are starting to work out. And, and also how fast it is. Because, I mean, there's people that, hey, I just want the instant pay. Okay, I just want a paper check because it's just convenient. And also the traceability. With the dashboard, you're able to trace almost any, not almost, all of the transactions that you are sending. So you can say, okay, for example, if Jason, cho he chose to print a check, you're going to see that it's printed, but it's actually not being cashed. Okay, when they go into the bank teller or they scan it, okay, it's already tried to be in cash. If it's an instant pay, you're going to see like, okay, it's sent, okay, now it's cashed. Everything is traceable in the dashboard. That's also very nice. Yep. The so basically you're you're able to help them track all that. And then it's again, I can only imagine someone being like, Oh, you were supposed to pay me at dinner arrived. Yes, I did, and it arrived in one of these six ways. Right. So being able to communicate like this is the way I want to do it, this is the way this person wants to receive it. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's usually valuable. So that that makes a lot of sense, and especially like the the logistics of that. It's it's not it's it's go back we go back to where you know. So frankly, you know, the the just the optionality of it is something that just makes so much sense to me. Taking away options from people is not usually a way to convince them to do otherwise, unless they fully buy into your environment. And every office has the old school person in the back who says, "No, no, 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 no. I like to issue that check every yeah. myself, right?" Like. There are people, and you know what? You can bang your head against the wall trying to convert them, or you can just accommodate them, which is what you've done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So talk to me about other, I mean, like the onboarding experience with uh, with this. So I want to get set up. I'm a business. How does, what does it look like for me to get started? So, okay, let's say that we sign a contract and then we have an onboarding process in which I'm going to, for example, if I was your account executive, I would be present, but then you're going to start having conversations with the engineering team and the marketing team. Uh, how you want your white labeling to look like? How do you think the recipient experience wants to look like? Hey, I want to go like super complicated with the API. When you have, with the API, it's very easy to go as complex as you want. And then we can include some sales engineering. Okay. And also, of course, you have access to the sandbox environment. So you have all of our, our full power to make this work for you as well. After that, we get the implementation of the bank accounts that we're going to be using, depending on the railroads of payment that you want to use, because some people don't want to use all of them, you know, because it just gets too confusing. I don't know. There's people that they want to use instant pay and BCC only, or ACH and RTP, which is fine. But we need to enable that. We see what's the full experience for your final recipients. We test, we validate, and it's deployed. And these, I've seen these happen, some of them in two days. And the longest one that I've seen is like 40 something days. I mean, at the end of the day, it's depending, I, as I told you, how complicated you want to get with the API. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So, and talk to me about how information gets into there. Like, do you have any integrations into uh, billing processing software or is it just all native? Uh, is it all just basically here's a directory? No, we, we do integrate with some accounting softwares. We integrate with Accounting Seed, Sage, Intact, and QuickBooks. Yeah. So I can just pull that information in and get going. Exactly. Uh, so someone on the other end, so when I, okay, so when I'm on the receiving end, let's talk about that experience. So I send a payment and let's say I send, I want to send a payment that's not what the other person wants to receive it in. Where's the optionality for them? So yeah, you mean if, when they receive the, the mail, what is going to look that for them? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they're going to see a, a physical representation of a check. They're going to see Jose Luis Alas Calcano, you send you a payment. And then in the bottom right part, they're going to see the six options. There's the details on how each of the option works. And depending on how fast they want their money, they're going to choose. There are different requirements for each of the options that we, that we provide. And after you choose one, you put the data that we're asking for, and the payment is deployed. Something that is very important, and I think it's, it's important to clarify. For example, all of our payments are deployed when the recipient takes an action of it. Receiving an email, it is not an action. You need to do something. But the cool part of this is that the one that is providing the banking details is the recipient. So actually, you mitigate the risk of having wrong banking details. We connect with the API of Plaid, then everything gets connected, and it's done. So you save a lot of money in reprocessing and returns. Excellent. So, okay. So basically, talk to me about productivity. I mean, like, do you have any kind of benchmarking on how much time and effort is saved by AP departments in terms of being able to streamline their processes? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't have like rough numbers in that. But for example, with the insurance company, when they process a lot of claims, some of their customers, they have a Wells Fargo account. And a lot of times what happens 
is that we are able to provide an updated database of the accounts of their customers. Because for example, this account, it doesn't exist anymore. So because they say, okay, for example, Jason, he used to have a Wells Fargo account with us. Now when he's actually requiring this claim, he has a Capital One account. Why? Okay, because the Wells Fargo account doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. You know, So we're able to provide that intelligence to the companies we work with, and that's saving a lot of money in reprocessing. In their side, on our side, and, and you know, with the whole ACH system. So yeah, I mean, we can do that as well. That That's very cool that actually the recipient is able to provide the banking the banking details because you can just update everything in one bull. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So, all right. So basically that's the case. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds pretty straightforward and it solves for a very fundamental problem. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there, I will say that there are super complicated people I bring onto this, on this podcast and there's straightforward ones that solve for very obvious problems. You're, you're the latter. And I will say yeah. that, you know, anyone, the payment competition that was doing only one thing was doing themselves a disservice and to their clients. So this, this makes a lot of sense to me. So before we go, there's three questions I'd like to ask before we, so we can wrap up on a positive note. The first one is, if you had one wish for something you could change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? Oh, wow. That one stumps everybody. You know what? And, and I'm biased here because obviously I grew up in Mexico right here. And uh, we have, there's a migration problem for sure. And there's a lot of unbanked people. I would love to make a solution for them. To make people without a banking with banking details to make their life easier, man. I mean, financial inclusion is going to change the world. I've seen how it works in Latin America. It's something that it works, but it's incredible that countries like Canada or the US, this is still a problem, you know? It is. And people seriously underestimate the degree to which it is. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. There are always those who will choose to remain outside the banking system, but those are the minority. Exactly. Very costly. And it's, I think it's been proven a million times over that financial empowerment is social empowerment, right? So is, is, we want to lift people up, get make totally. it accessible is hugely valuable. Totally, yeah. man. Totally, man. And I see people, you know, and I talk to people, man. I mean, I live in California, man. You go to South California, it's just Mexicans there in, in San Diego. And not even Mexicans, I mean, it's just Latin people. And you talk about their problems and you would be able to change their lives, dude. So yeah, that's the thing I would change. But I'm biased. I don't know if that's the biggest problem that the industry is, is facing, but I'm just saying it because I'm biased for it. Yep. No, I hear you. Well, I mean, it's a good bias to have. It's a, it's a negative, po- net positive. Yeah. Second question has been, what's been the biggest challenge in getting a company to where it is today? Wow. As a startup, I think the process of ramping up is the hardest one. Finding what's my sweet spot right here. Who do I want my clients to be? What's the identity and the personality of the branding to the people? How do people see me, you know? Finding that, I think, has been the most challenging. But at the same time, the people in the company are forging that not only for our clients, but within ourselves. So yeah, I think that finding the personality of the company and how we want to be seen is mm. the most challenging part. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, that speaks to culture, right? Like that's a, that's a piece of it. Exactly. Right? That's a common challenge for everybody. Cause that, that permeates down to like who you, everybody you hire, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it was fairly easy, man, because we believe in the product. I mean, the product is not the problem. We believe in it. Yeah. How we want the people to see the product. Fair enough. Yeah. And the last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you uh, getting up in the morning to fight the good fight of the startup world? Wow, man. That's a very good question. Literally, I'm a sales guy. I love connecting with people, man. And, and I love solving problems. We all know, man, sales in the long run can be a very, very lucrative uh, career. That's for sure. We all know that. That's where the money is. But my point is not the money. The money is a consequence of doing good things. I would never sell to people things that they don't need. And actually, I love solving problems. Knowing that actually I help you. That's what makes me wake up at whatever time in the morning, 
go to the gym, then go to work. And yeah, knowing that I'm solving an actual problem. I think that's the way to look at it. It's interesting. You know, the number of, and I've taught at university levels and the number of people who are just like at that age, who just like do not want to get into anything involved sales. So they just, they hate the idea, right? And to them, it's because the concept of it is that like, oh, I'm trying to convince people that they need to spend money on something that maybe they need or don't need. And it's like, no, yeah. that's if you go and sort of sense people for something they need or don't need. Yeah. If, if you don't recognize, you can't have an honest conversation about, hey, that that's your, the, what are your challenges? Okay, well, I can either help or not help. And yeah. if I can't help, like, the reality is, is that I, you know, even in my own practice, there's times where a client's not a fit or whatever else it is. And I always make sure they find a home. I always refer them other, to other places. And it's like, people are happy for that because the reality is, is that if people can smell BS, right? Like if I'm trying to sell you something you don't need, totally. you're going to detect some of that and feel pressure. Totally, man. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Pepe, thank you so much for your time today. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Otherwise known as Jose Luis Salas Calcaño and from Checkbook. If you are in the U.S. and in need of a better payment processor for your business, I suggest you look at them uh, straight away. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.